find the baller. My life is more than money and money. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome to another brand new Yang Banging episode of the world-famous, award-winning Behind the Baller podcast. Coming to you live and direct from Hollywood, California, I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. Ben Humble. I'm keeping that moniker now, right? I'm, I'm chill, okay? A.k.a. the Wash Lord, a.k.a. the for real, the for really real Korean Liam Neeson. Guys, this show is brought to you by the one and only Dust Brothers Productions, which is Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, with original music from Lakey and theme song by Illegal Cartel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, March 27th. Guys, we are four weeks away from the very first Washed Lord in Invitational. That shit is going to be crazy. I, I hope it's not a disaster. We are giving away fucking gold and diamond chains. We got grab bags. We got fucking gift bags. It is a private event. It's been sold out. I do have one corporate foursome that just opened up. Justin Timberlake can't make it, and I don't care. It's all good. I'm not tripping. We got a corporate foursome. If you got some bread, holler at your boy. And shit, yo. It is fan questions time, guys. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. And um, my review of Super Nintendo World, what I watched this week. Um, a whole lot of feelings, guys. A whole lot of mindset. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> well, let's fucking go. So, 48 hours ago, I was feeling like a brand new man. I woke up Saturday morning like, yo, this is the first day of like, you know, a new life, a new Ben. And then like 24 hours later, I'm like confused. And so now we're back at square one. Man, I'm telling you, I have done so much fucking thinking. And I don't think it's been like bad thinking. I haven't overthought things. You know, when I think of certain things, I, I, I try to think of a minimum of two angles, right? My side, their side. Sometimes I think four angles, right? I think of a side that didn't get seen, another side that didn't get seen. So, you know, there could be 15 sides. It could be 20 sides. It could be whatever. But, I mean, I'm just saying, some people see one side. I, I never see one side. Even if it's, again, two plus two equals four. I don't always look at it as one side. You know, I've, I've opened my mind to things. And this is coming from a closed-minded person. I'm the most closed-minded, open-minded fucking person you ever meet in your life. But I've just been doing a lot of reflecting. And, um... It's been two months of heavy thinking, you know, it's just been crazy. And I just think of all types of random shit, you know. Um, 
seen a therapist, obviously still. And one thing about the therapist is, you know, when you finally commit, some people want to, they just don't have the means to sometimes, whatever. And again, when you finally commit to it, right? The first session, you know, if you ever seen a, a shrink, psychiatrist, um, psychologist, whatever, counselor, you're like, fuck, man, I hope they fix me in, in one session. And it just doesn't work that way. And it's not necessarily a con, you know, um, it's not a snake oil thing. I've thought about it. There's always some bullshit and everything, right? There's bullshit with people who have issues with the health industry, with medicine, with, you know, you know, fuck, they want everyone sick so they can make money off this, they can make money off drugs or this, whatever. And then there's, you know, there's functional doctors that are prescribing non-RX drugs. You know, you have candida or you have this, or you have this, or you know, you have mo, whatever the fuck it is. It's just, everyone has something to say about everybody, right? What makes you feel right, man? You know, sometimes you got no choice. You're just so fucked up. You don't know what to do. And I probably was right around there, you know, but um, first session ain't shit going down. First few sessions, you're just breaking shit down and it goes along. And someone really is really good at what they do. You know, they start to obviously, you know, observe, not necessarily mold you, right? Just necessarily you know, try to guide you. A lot of redirection, a lot of things like that, you know, and I got a feeling that this shit ain't even started yet. And, and I started feeling like a difference around maybe five, six sessions in. It could be good for a little bit. And, you know, I've had anger issues, man. I've had, you know, things. I've gotten a lot better for sure. But I'm being broken down, butt ass naked. Someone I didn't fucking know five, six weeks ago, you know, and it's wild what's coming out. And what I always thought might be okay you know, with the calmer Ben, right? Really isn't for everyone. And I, I can continue just being who gives a fuck. You know, I could be that Ben. Let me be me. Let me live me. Let me live by these hard lessons. You know, I can't do that no more. Because if I want to keep a solid, loving household, tough love just might not work. In, in fact, tough love isn't going to work in my house, really. You know? Especially in today's world. Now, I can use some of that tough love with my sons to help them out in life. You know, Nick is definitely a softer, much softer version of things, and, and there's more affection and things like that. And, and, and um, it's uh, brought the better side of me out. But when it comes to my sons, sometimes, you know, I don't want them to be bullied. I don't want them to be too soft. They have to be men. You know, and they're gravitating towards that now. And, you know, they still have to be, you know, but there's sometimes a little rage in them, you know, in certain things. And, and I have to tame it down. But they're good kids. But, you know, I, I do want to use some of that, you know, with them just to understand. But also at the same time, they got to understand that maybe not getting what you want might be a wonderful stroke of luck. And I just have to redirect their thinking, you know. And in general, women are just so different. You know, not just being softer. Just shit is just, again... I learned some things this past week that pissed me off at his life. And on the other end, on the people who don't like it and the people who do like it, whatever, it's, again, it's reality, it's life, right? And sometimes you're like, wait, what the fuck? I didn't get this or, I, you know, uh, uh, I lost my job to this. You, you just have to, again, it's just consider it a redirection, redirect. I don't even know why I'm saying this right now, but you ever leave your house and forget something important? 
and you're like, fuck it, I'll do it later, right? It's, you just think about it, right? You're like, okay, hold on. One time I forgot my wallet and I was like, you know what? I got an iPhone. I mean, there's Apple Pay on there, certain things and you know, shit, I, I mean, if I get pulled over, I have a driver's license on there, I mean, I'll feel to figure it out, especially me, but it's just, sometimes you really forget about, oh, fuck. You know, you can't go to FedEx and think about shipping something and be like, yo, I forgot the shipment. Yeah, you're not going to FedEx then, right? You just, again, you have to really think about things. I just, again, I always look at shit and redirect my mind, right? But two things that just got in my head, talking to my therapist and just talking about one thing, just kind of just, oh, man. The first thing, it doesn't matter if you're telling somebody the truth. Think about that real quick, okay? Listen slow. It doesn't matter if you are telling someone the truth. What matters is what they believe. At a certain point, you could show somebody 4K video of what the truth is. And some people will think you edited or doctored up the video. At that point, you just take the L. It's up to you to figure it out. If you want to fight with that shit and you want to fucking, you know, you want, you want to, you know, redirect them and show them. Some people, they're like, oh, you know, my bad. Okay, I got it. You guys have seen... um training day with Denzel Washington, right? When he says, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove, right? It doesn't matter what you tell your friends. What they believe is what matters to them. You know what I'm saying? You got to prove them or take the L. It's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to get too much into this. It just, just two things that bother me. Just because it's unfair doesn't mean it's not right. Because you'll see people all the time say, that's just not fair. Okay, just because it's not fair, because you didn't get the job, maybe because you didn't sell any records, maybe you sing just as good as somebody else, maybe you dance just as good as somebody else, maybe you get some free shit and someone else doesn't. Maybe you got more followers than someone and they got a better job or a better sponsor. That is reality and you need to get in touch Reality. Someone got more money than you. Someone, whatever. It could be your brother. It could be sister. And a lot of parents, it's tough. You know, you do want to love your kids equally, but you can't give everyone a fucking trophy. You just cannot. That's one thing I'll fight forever. That part of psychology, I don't know who put that part out there. And again, this ain't gaslighting. I'm not saying, I'm just look, like, look. You cannot give out participation trophies, man. It's toughest with kids. You know, it's like Kobe taught his fucking team. He taught a girl's team, seventh grade, whatever. He was like, yo, they got second place trophies. He's like, man, throw that shit away. We need some more of that mindset going on. And that's in sports. It's a different thing. You know what I mean? Also thought about something. You tell your darkest secrets, right? To your therapist, to your lawyer, whatever the fuck it may be your friends obviously and they say when you do DDT uh, um, DMT sorry fucker child and, or toad you know all your secrets get exposed and you trip out and you do all this stuff and everything right I got a new goal in life I want to live my life without any secrets now look 
There's personal information. It's not necessarily secret. You know what I mean? You just don't need to obviously put certain people's things out there. Mannerisms, snoring, farting. I don't know. Certain shit that people just, people are private people, whatever. I just don't want to live with secrets anymore. I don't give a fuck. At that point, no one can expose me. Oh, I know you was talking to this person. No, I wasn't. I told you I was talking to that person. I love when people try to expose things about me. It's like my favorite thing sometimes. People say, oh, guess what? I saw Ben doing this. I know Ben does that. It's like, okay. Then they feel fucking stupid. I don't want to have any fucking secrets. Right? Now, necessarily volunteering information about my financial background or things like that, whatever. It's not necessarily a secret because people fucking know and there's other people who know, whatever, but there's banks, bankers, the IRS, whatever. I just, in general, want to live my life without secrets. I don't want to know your secrets. I don't want you to tell me something, you know, unless you want it out there. I'm not saying, I mean, look, I could have conversations. We could talk. We could do certain things openly. But what I'm saying is I don't want to be, I don't want to have any information that is going to hurt somebody else. I don't want to be that dude anymore. Not that I was like a dude who thrived for that. I just, no. Oh shit, what happened? Like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Just don't care. Going back to gaslighting. Used to hate that word. Such a fucking political thing. But I realized it's something that I say a lot. Well, a lot is putting a lot on it, sorry. Something I've said a good amount of times and I thought it was something that would it's like a bad, backhanded fucking compliment I used to say I'm sorry you feel that way and to the people who don't really realize it you know it's, that's an apology and I, I meant it to be an apology but I also meant it to be like I'm sorry you feel that way but that's just not how I feel whatever or you know I don't want to whatever but the proper respectful way to say that would be, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I won't touch on any more of that. It was just something I had to think about. You know, it just kind of fucked me up. Now, guys, a very famous YouTuber who's been on this podcast before, goes by the name of Fousey. He is one of the original, true, original YouTubers. And um, he's talked about depression on the show. He went from super high stardom, driving Ferraris or driving nice cars, living in a $15,000 a month penthouse. And then he fell off. And then he didn't know what to do. He had no direction. He didn't know what was going on. And um, then he started boxing. He got a big, gigantic fucking, huge beer gut. He looked like fucking Tyson Fury. And, um, you know, he got in the best shape of his life. He had an eight-pack. This dude, I mean, I was actually jealous. He, his fucking, he was fucking cut. Then he went out, started boxing. And he got knocked out. When he got knocked out, he told me he felt like his soul was taken from him. That's a lot deeper. You lose your mind, you lose your heart, you lose whatever. You lose your soul, man, damn. But we had a long talk. You know, he's, he's really in a dark place and um, he's living in a different state. I'm only telling you guys this because I want him to get help. And he's went to therapy. He was going like four times a week went to specialists, everything. He's just in a really, really dark place. So if you guys could send him, you know, a prayer, 
send out some positive energy to Fusi. He's a good dude. I think uh, he should really use his platform. He still has a major platform. He has a massive fan base. I just think he doesn't have the direction and it might be time for him to share his story about he's hit rock bottom like twice or three times now. It's like, yo, man, you got to get up again, bro. You're too young. Are you 32, 33 or something? I don't know. Another thing too is um, ran into a friend of mine, designer, yesterday actually, Itai. I always knew he was talented. I always knew he was kind of, you know, cool. We never really shot the shit too much. Come to find out, we have some actual, legit, real mutual friends. Guys have I known for 40 fucking years of my life. And this guy's 28. He's a kid. He was hanging out with dudes at 13 on the streets. You know, he's from Venice. Pretty much when it comes to all the custom shit with Louis, Goyard, all that stuff. I mean, Dapper Dan makes some cool shit. He was, he's a legend. But, I mean, Itai really makes the top tier best fucking custom shit. It's expensive as fuck. He's launching his own brand now. He's made these Dior puffer jackets that well, those things cost like three, $3,500. He made a better version of that jacket. And I truly mean that with the best possible materials. And he's selling it for half the price. Still expensive as fuck. But it's already sold out, I think. Drops this Friday. Somehow it's sold out. I don't know. Talented dude. We sat down and talked. We shared some... Uh, some painful stories of what's been going on in life. And um, again, it was, it was really insightful, man. It was a very pleasant time chilling at a studio. Made me think about downtown LA, you know. Um, my fucking office is in downtown LA. And I'm barely in there. I have a full-blown office in downtown LA. Inside my factory. Desk filled. Art. All kinds of shit in there. And I'm fucking never there. And again, I'm slowly going to get back into things. But we had an interesting talk about good people in the industry. People were full of shit. You know, we, we, we agreed on certain things and just we were dead on when we agreed on something, right? And we talked about this one topic that kind of fucked me up. And it's like, there's people who you never met before. You don't even know them. You just know everything about them through other people, your friends, someone else. And then you realize that these people's homies are gatekeepers. So you can have like four dudes who are, who are kind of cool. One dude is super famous, super huge. Another guy is pretty big, killing it though, very talented. Another dude is very well known. And another guy is obviously well known by association. And then they just like gatekeep. It's just like weird. And then you become cool with one of them. And then you start to realize like just different circles. And all of a sudden, you didn't realize that, that you inherited beef with someone you don't even fucking know. Then you get to actually meet that person, chill, hang out, talk. And they're actually cool. You don't want to hear about the fucking past. I don't give a fuck what they were doing. It could be a girl you were dating. It could be whatever. And it, look, you fucking with them now, if you're a good judge of character, you don't want to hear about the past. You like what you see now and you inherited some beef, some crazy shit in your mind because you heard some shit, whatever. Now, know what you're getting into if you do hear about the past, whatever else, and you proceed with caution. How many of y'all ran through a yellow light? I have thousands of times. 
right? And we shout to Itai. He's talking about just shit that happened. And, and um, I'm not going to get into it because it's none of my business to get into, but we were talking about the blame game and blaming is toxic as fuck. Something I talk about with my therapist as well, you know, if someone knows they're wrong and they have taken accountability for their actions, there is no need to constantly remind them. All that person is doing, like the person who's blaming the other person, all they're doing is trying to make themselves feel better by repeating it and knowing that, that this is why this happened. It's your fault. It actually doesn't do that much good for you. It shouldn't make you feel that much better. You should probably have compassion for that person. Right? Sometimes in the heat of battle, anything you say is going to hurt the other person. So blaming someone just isn't going to do any good. It just causes more problems. Even again, if it makes you feel better, right? And now again, it's obviously easier to say that if you're on the giving end of some drama, right? If you're the one who might have caused some pain. But let me tell you guys, I've been on my Gandhi shit and I have done as much as I can to not live by the eye for an eye lifestyle. Still guilty of it. I'm just saying I'm trying to do better, guys. That's it. Like I realize that Russia at any moment can bomb the USA, throw nukes everywhere, any country, just start throwing nukes, you know, if they wanted to. But they understand that if they do, that everyone dies. So they got to chill. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, fuck this, I'm taking the whole boat down. No, man, don't do that, man. That's the old Ben. Even thinking like, you know, you got that power, but it's just like, it's not, you just, no. Don't even think about that type of power. Right? And I talked about this weeks ago, like two weeks ago, two episodes ago or something, right? When you're with your homies and you're out venting, again, being silent and listening when you know you could say something that you want to say, but it might hurt your friend's feelings because it's against what they think, that's being complacent. Even if you agree with your homie, but you know it ain't right for them, it's being complacent. Whether you want to believe it or not, sometimes you got different random groups of friends. Certain circles don't run with other circles. You got one set of homies that are like in skating. You got another set of homies in golf. You got another set of homies in fashion, right? You run in different circles. You seek shit outside your own circle, right? And I'm shit. I got, I got a family. So, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of friends. You know, these people for years, but you know, there's periods of time, year, six months, could be even a couple of years. You just ain't kicked it. So sometimes it's nice to seek outside your circle, right? Different parts of your life. Then you catch up, see how they move and everything. But then you don't even realize, hang out with them a few weeks in a row, this and that, whatever, a couple days here and there, talk all the time on chat here and there, whatever, catch up. And then you don't even realize that their energy has permeated your whole entire space. And without you even consciously knowing it, you've become aligned with that energy. And that shit could be deadly and toxic if it's not aligned 
with your household. I heard this once in college, right? Random as fuck. I thought it was cap. But when girls, when they live together, they move with each other, like roommates, whatever, eventually they share the same menstrual cycles. And I heard this from a girl who actually was on the swim team at SF State, San Francisco. She told me that. It's a crazy thing is the girl ended up being a porn star. I forgot what the fuck her, her porn name was. Bug me the fuck out. But I thought, I was like, what the fuck? And she's told me about this, about two different roommates. Again, they moved in. They eventually share the same menstrual cycles. Somehow, some way, that shit really correlates with who you associate yourself with. Now, I'm not talking about periods and menstrual cycles. I'm just talking about the energy, right? Even if it's your family and not. That's why they call it guilty by association. The seeds don't always produce the same fruit, right? But the more you hang around folks, share opinions, you'll be surprised how much you can absorb their behaviors, thoughts, without realizing it until you're back around the people who really know you. Now, I haven't changed. I'm still me. But I needed to change to be a better dad and a better husband. And I got a lot of work to do because, you know, the world's minds, hearts, lives, everything shifts. I get comfortable and I'll stand still. But let me say this real quick. Look, I've been thinking a lot about my life before being married with kids. And I think about all the times I used to party, be a jackass, be out, just smoke weed. Even the times I was making money, hustling, being a sneakerhead, certain things that interest me, whatever. I was so happy just going to the Grove and watching a movie. Most of the times I think about it, probably times of Jonas. Those are probably the most fond times of my life. I almost never, ever, ever, ever think about an ex. But I will say, the best times of my life have been these last 10 years. The last 13 years. Like, I think about it, and I just weigh out everything. I could be downtown and think about, oh shit, we live downtown. London was born downtown. Shit, Ryder was born downtown. I mean, not downtown, I'm saying we were living downtown be fucking in Manhattan Beach and think about the pier. Been to that pier with like 400 different fucking people. But I think about what it meant in the last 13 years to me. I'm a better person today than I've ever been. It's a fact. I'm going to try to be a better person tomorrow than I was today and continue that cycle. It's all you could do. Be better today than you were yesterday. Right? Be better this week than you were last week. And I know that I've talked about a lot of pain. And I think there's body parts. You could break a finger. You could break a pinky. My pinky fucking hurt when I broke my pinky. Obviously, you break an arm. It hurts more. Some people think the bigger the bone, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. You break your heart. That shit might fuck with you 10 times more than even breaking your back or breaking your neck. Be some physical pain. Mental pain is a different type, right? 
But again, sometimes, you know, when you embrace that pain, you say, no, I need to feel this for a second. From a really vulnerable position. And once you have absorbed what you can, you'll relook at pain in a different way. And that's why I appreciate my life so much more. Now, enough for mindset. It's been a lot. It's going to be a long episode, guys, just so you know. I went and uh, started minor surgery on some stomach issues. And um, as doctor said, in three to four months, one of my major problems may be gone. And I don't know a life without it. Like, I just think about 15-something years that I've had it. And I'm just like, wow. By the way, speaking of 15-something years, IF and Co. turned, um, where the fuck are we? Last Thursday, the 23rd, IF and Co. was founded. It's fucking 18 years old. It's crazy. Been a fucking jeweler for 18 years. By the way, we got report cards. And this is like such a great thing. Ryder just won the fucking class. Spelling Bee, you know, Kaya is super sharp. But London is above 99 percentile. He's 99 percentile on the top of his class in the nation. In America for his age in math. It's fucking amazing, guys. All right, let's pay some bills and get to these fan questions. We'll be right back, y'all. Do your financial goals feel out of reach? They don't have to be. With Chime Secure Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can start building credit with your own money through on-time payments and small everyday purchases like groceries, streaming, and gas. Members see an increase of 30 points to their credit scores on average. Chime reports your payments to the major credit bureaus to help you build credit over time. All with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. Start making your financial dreams a reality with Chime. Signing up only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com slash baller. That's chime.com slash baller. Baller. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Chime checking account, and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Based on a study conducted by Experian, Credit Builder members observed an average 30-point FICO score increase after eight months with regular on-time payments. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply, except that MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any all-point or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Yo, what up, y'all? We are at the fan questions part of the show, and uh, we do this shit straight freestyle. I don't sit there and, like, go over this shit. There was, like, 90-something questions, and then... I was like, yo, 75 of these are the same thing and just like whatever, but let's get started. Let's, blah, 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 blah. let's get started, y'all. Sorry, man. Um, Pandemic Proof writes, yo, Ben, good chatting with you on Instagram Live a few days ago. Just want to say how thankful I am for you and the Dust Brothers. I'm going to NYC soon and need guidance with intermediate, intermediate, <laughs> intermediate fasting. It's intermittent fasting. <laughs> uh, I do 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday to Thursday, 3 to 11 p.m. Friday to Sunday. How do I adjust if the trip is a week? So, um, bro, I get that you want to shed some weight and it is good to just do eight and then 16, but I think you should maybe 
try to ease into it. I think, you know, 10 and 14 actually works. You know, so why don't you do 10 a.m. start, stop at 8 p.m. Remember, there's only water, black, coffee, and tea. Sit. On the weekends is when you should try to ease up a little bit more because that's the harder time to do it. I wouldn't limit, you know, but again, if you had to, you know, go like 1 p.m. start time, 11 p.m. Now, if you're in New York City, remember, you're losing three hours on the plane right there. So on the first day, what's going to happen is when you adjust, when you get there, you start to eat when you need to eat. Then from there, eat your eight to 10 hour interval. Make sure you get at least 13 to 14 hours where you don't eat. You're not going to see a big difference for at least two to three months. You see a little bit of change in four months, five months, it'll shift. You start really seeing it work like six, seven months in. All right. Thanks for the question, bro. Giovanni writes, what's up, Ben? Long time listener to the pod. My name is Giovanni. I'm from New Jersey. I just turned 32 months ago. I know you waited a while to start having kids. I've been with my girlfriend a while now, and we're starting to have those conversations. But I keep telling her I want to be incredibly financial, financially stable before I've been thinking about kids. Did you have a specific number you wanted to reach before having kids, or did you wait till you were living a certain lifestyle to have them? I became a millionaire at 31, and I think I was ready at around 35. It didn't happen until I was 39 and a half. So I think 35 was good. You know, when you feel like you have at least a two-year cushion, that's a pretty long cushion, I know. Whatever cushion makes you feel comfortable or you just know, you know how to make money. You'll, you have to figure it out. You know how to hustle. You know you'll resell shit. You do something. You start thinking of different ways to make money. When you can do that, you're good. Good question though, bro. Jeffrey Press writes, what are the first three things you would do, buy or invest if you won the $2 billion Powerball? I think that was the highest I ever got. It was the highest it ever got to back in November last year. The dude actually is from Pasadena. It's crazy. No, not from Pasadena. I'm sorry. He's from La Cunada, La Crescenta area. And he bought the, pick, the ticket in Altadena. He just bought a $25 million crib that was on uh, Selling Sunset. Let me be honest with you, bro. You win $2 billion, you take the payout, which is like just about over a billion. You literally put $500 million away. And you, I don't give a fuck if you're 19. You're good for the rest of your life. You could put it in fucking in the S&P. You could put it in the most minimal stock shit you could think of. And even the people who think they know how to spend money, you couldn't fuck off that much money. You know how you'd fuck it off? By trying to invest it to make more money. That's how you'd fuck it up. Guarantee. You can go out and buy every fucking crazy car you want. You can go out and buy a couple cribs in different cities. You can go fly private. You can do a bunch of shit. When you start getting silly with investing, like, oh, you know what? Fuck that. Don't worry about it. It's only 20 million here. That 20 million can make me 100 million. It, it doc. Close your motherfucking eyes. <laughs> Not open your eyes. Close your eyes and smack yourself. That's basically what I would do. All right. Um, DK writes, do you have any interesting stories or past interactions with Lil Wayne? If so, please share. Shout out to my son, Bradley. I mean, I've had a bunch of stories with Lil Wayne. I've hung out with Lil Wayne countless times during the Drake days, before Drake days, way before Drake days, shit, 
07, Young Black Republican Days with uh, Joel Santana. I don't know. Wayne's always been fucking cool, you know? Just I was so surprised at how much weed he smokes. You know, he smokes over an ounce a day, and that's really hard to do when you have somebody, you know, rolling your weed for you. He smokes so much weed that he has to put joint paper over his blunts because his, his lips were turning black. I mean, he's just a funny motherfucker. He's got crazy jokes. I was in the studio with him. I think it was in the studio with him with the, for the One Blood remix, game song, One Blood. He's just fucking funny. It's the shit he talks about. Talking about Celine Dion and talking about moving back to New Orleans and all kinds of shit. Just, it's just a funny dude. I don't know. I can't think of one story with dude, but I, I love Lil Wayne. He's, Dwayne is a great dude. Talented as fuck. I miss those days. Peter Troy writes, Ben Hyungnim, much respect from the DMV. I'm a business owner, real estate investor. Just had my first son a year and a half ago. With being a family man and businessman, my days and weeks are starting to blur together. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on how to stay organized with tasks, meetings, and deadlines on a daily and long-term basis. Also dedicating family time. I've been using reminders app and calendar alerts on my phone, but it doesn't seem the best option. Any tips and advice would be greatly appreciated. Um, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. The reminders app, I've never used it. Calendar alerts, I use, but I use them in a certain way where like, you know, you have two weeks, one week, two days, and one day. Then you can do two hours, three hours, one, I mean, one hour, two hours, like 30 minutes, you know, 15 minutes, whatever. On everything I got, if it's really important, I do a one week alert prior. Then I do change that. As soon as that alert goes on, change it to two days. And the second alert goes one day. Then if I really got to get there, when we get to the one day, we get in less than 24 hours. I set alarms on my phone with the most annoying fucking bell. Like, let me tell you what my alarm says right now. All right. 6.45 a.m. Get ready, go upstairs. 7 a.m. Hang with kids. 7.30. Get the kids' shoes, clothes ready. 7.44, head to school. 8.13, golf. 8.30 a.m., I can have coffee, right? 9 a.m., let in housekeepers, and that's for certain days. You could set your, your alarms to only go off on certain days. 12 o'clock p.m., BTB drops. 2.37 p.m., pick up kids, right? 3 o'clock, kids' time, homework, help. Okay, 6 o'clock, dinner. 8.30, stop eating. 8.35, kids, good night. And that's just, there's no meetings tomorrow except for golf shit. On different days, it changes. You need to set those fucking alarms and set them with the annoying ass fucking ringtone and that'll wake your ass up and get your shit going. All right? All right, man. Um, Rolando Mota writes, Buenos dias, Ben, longtime listener. Just wanted to know who did most of your tattoos. My tattoos are kind of like three ways between the legendary Mark Mahoney, legendary Mr. Cartoon, and the legendary Chuy Quintanara. Next question. Ted Sumita writes, uh, Glocked from the 818. Hey, Ben, day one listener of thousands of podcasts out there. You're the only one I consistently listen to. Appreciate it. I'm in LA County and just received my CCW. I have a Glock 19 on my license. What are your thoughts on that gun? 
I believe you mentioned that you carry the P365. How do you like that? I know the gun is off the roster, so it's hard to probably pay double. What do you recommend best way to carry a holster, a fanny pack? I do mostly wear a gym type apparel. Thanks, man. Stay blessed. You know, a Glock 19 is considered a smaller or mid-sized gun. To me, I still feel like it's a big gun, right? I daily carry, you know, a Glock 43 and a P365 and a P238. I mean, the 19 kind of just stays at the crib. That's hard to carry. Now, wearing gym tie apparel, I would, you know, I wear gym tie apparel too, right? But, you know, you wear like sweats that don't have like a belt on them, whatever. I just make sure the waist is kind of a little strong and make sure, you know, you tie that motherfucker real good. And there's holsters that people have given me and they just don't work. They're supposed to be the best holsters, but they just don't. I, I bought this holster for $27 off fucking Amazon and it's the only one I fucking use. And it's like neoprene and it hasn't failed me yet. In fact, it's crazy because yesterday I was in downtown and I just felt like, fuck. And I had my P238 with me, small 380 off roster as well. So it's a 365 California. So bullshit, man. But that's just the best way to do it, bro. I wouldn't, you can look, but fuck the 19 so big, man. I just couldn't imagine me daily carrying a 19 with baller shorts on, with fucking even thick sweatpants. I don't know, man. That's really tough, bro. You know, um, try to find somebody who's in law enforcement, man, to fucking get you that fucking gun off roster. Try to find a P238, but buy it secondhand. That's the best thing I could say. I don't really know, man. Anthony Betancourt writes, what's up, Ben? Thank you for the free game. First question, what position do you conceal carry? Appendix, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. And what brand holster do you prefer? The fuck? <laughs> I would say I carry probably at around three o'clock. That's probably, no, that's not true. Actually, I probably carry at one o'clock. I think one o'clock is probably right exactly where I carry. Um, second question, have you seen Full Swing on Netflix? I have. I, how are you listening to the podcast so much and not heard me talk about Full Swing? It's funny. Um, Jesse Bolanos writes, hey, Ben, what's going on? Love the podcast. Appreciate the game. Hope you and your family are doing good these days. Want to ask you about mental health, more specifically anxiety. I have started having panic attacks about a year and a half to two years ago after a few of them. Went to the doctors. They told me I have anxiety. Doing a lot better today, but I still get one from time to time. Now my question is to you is, if you ever get or had anxiety, how do you deal with it? Is there something you do to keep your mind occupied or feeling anxious? Thanks a lot, man. Much love. Jesse, I don't recommend this, but I do get, once in a while, I get a panic attack on a plane. And the only way to get that out of my, you know, is uh, when I'm on a plane, I just don't like being on planes, really, to tell you the truth, as much as I fly. Um, I'm prescribed Xanax on the plane. Now, if I get one on the street or driving, I don't know. I'd just be like, look, man, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. Drink some water. Room temperature, cold water, whatever. I just try to stay hydrated. There's these icebreakers I take. And um, they're sugar-free, so I can have them any time of the day and not break my fast. And they're called duos. And I just think about that and I eat that. And I just don't really think about it. I don't really have them that much anymore. I do have them some here and there. But usually I have them if I'm in trouble. When I mean in trouble, I'm like, meaning like I fucked up and did something I should have did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but I mean, I got anxiety attacks. I've had a thousand. I might have had even 3,000 in my life. I've had, used to, we used to suffer from them till I realized that I'm in good health and ain't shit gonna happen. I just gotta think about something else. Good luck to you, Jesse.
Um, KJ Perez, what's the highest stakes poker you've played? Largest poker win and loss? Would you ever play poker on a live stream? Highest stake poker is not that much, man. With AM, it was like, I think $2,000 blinds. It wasn't anything crazy. I think my largest pot was like $11,000. Largest loss was probably like, well, the thing was, I didn't really consider a loss because I consider a loss what I take home, right? You know what I'm saying? Like when you, I, did, I didn't lose when I took home, but I think I lost a pot for like 70 bands. But it didn't matter because when I walked away, I still, you know, came out on top. I don't really play poker for crazy money. We play like, you know, fun games here and there and, and you know, tournaments here and there. You know, you lose a few Gs here and there at most. Nothing crazy. Nancy De La Roca writes, Hey, so I'm a 38-year-old female who quit her corporate job over a year ago, and I just can't seem to figure out what I need to do in life. I know for sure it's not behind a desk. I don't really have any hobbies because I was so sucked into working all the time. How did you find something you truly enjoyed while paying the bills? Shit, Nancy. That's the tough thing. I found out I couldn't be behind a desk at like 24, 25. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think right at around like 29, I was like, yo, I can't do this shit. And you know, women are much more mature than men are. Um, I thought music was going to be something I did forever. And being in the music business actually made me hate music. And to keep my sanity, I kept DJing because DJing was paying the bills. And then DJing became a job became work and I didn't like it anymore. It just became bullshit. Thank God I got out when I did. But, um, God damn, I couldn't fucking imagine if I was still DJing right now. Nancy, I need to know more about you. You don't need to have hobbies to know, you know what I'm saying, what you're good at. I didn't even know what you did behind you. You know, the jo- your corporate job. Like, what did you do? What, were you good at it? You know, what, did you go to college? Did, do you have any, any background? Like, I don't really know what to say to you, but I do wish you luck because 38, fuck, you know, it, it's, you know, but again, that don't mean shit. You could fuck around and fucking have a successful clothing brand at 44, 47. Maybe you become an actress. Maybe you get discovered. Really, it's about the powerful networking that you do from this point out. And hopefully you do have some good skills. Thanks for the question. Uh, Nathan Santos writes, Hey, Ben, I'm a college student looking to continue my path in the joy business. My question for you is, what would be the best way to get into this business? I'm looking either to be a gemologist or a jeweler as I see the whole concept as art. Where is a good place to start? Right now, I work as a jewelry sales associate, so I have my foot in the door. I just need some guidance. Nathan, let me give you some great advice, man. Get the fuck out of the business, bro. (laughs) No, man. Uh, You know, Nathan, the jewelry business is so fucking saturated. The only way you're going to really succeed is if you have a great client list and you're really good at networking. Even at this point, I think if you make great pieces, it's just no one's going to want to pay for anything. Everyone's so fucking cheap. Only way you'll win is if you could turn over a lot of product. So if I were you, I would get into merchandising. Uh, not merchandising. Um, I would get into gold sales. Manufacturing chains. Cubans. Rolos. Francos. Tiffany links. Just all that shit. If I were you, I, box chains. I would get into that. Watches is even too fucking saturated. It's just weird. I don't know, Nathan. That's my genuine, honest answer. Hayes writes, Hey, Ben, thank you for my answer to my advice on my last fan question episode. Truly made my day. Appreciate the wise words. I've been listening to your old episodes during the COVID era. I just wanted to thank you for the COVID predictions and hindsight, as well as keeping everyone informed. My questions are, 
even with COVID-19 significantly dying down since 2021, are you still scared for London's health regarding COVID-19? No. I think we got it under control. They're vaccinated. Um, his health is uh, is definitely got a lot better, significantly better. Um, I'm just not worried about that. I'm worried about other shit, just him getting like any kind of virus, you know, anything that just, you know, he's been able to fight it way better now. Um, would you ever have the kids on the pod one day? I'm not going to lie to you, man. I would love to do this pod for a long time. By the time they would be worthy to get on here, like let's say, I don't know, 16 or something, something like five years. I don't know if I'll be on the pod. I don't know if I'll still be podcasting then. It would be fucking amazing if I am for sure. For sure. Thank you. RV writes, hey, Ben, big supporter for the last 11 years when I saw you randomly outside of Little Tokyo and you took a pic with us. My question is, with three kids and a wife and multiple business ventures, how do you balance work life time with the wife and kids so they're not burnt out? I'm starting a business and I feel like it's a juggling act. Homie, good luck. Listen, bro, that is maybe the toughest balance there is in the world. You either have to have a very understanding wife and even with that, you got to make time. That is the most key thing in the world because I forget and I think because we go on a vacation, we do certain things. I forget to go simple things like taking your wife to dinner, taking her to lunch, taking her somewhere where you make sure somehow, some way, that she's special away from the kids. And if you can't do that, ain't no reason to work. They're never gonna understand that. Understand that, you know, it's nice to make money. It pays the bills. I don't know if you're the breadwinner, but at a certain point, there has to be some threshold of where you say no it's wife time, it's kids time. And that shit never stops, bro. <laughs> until, you know, at least until maybe the kids are, you know, out of the house. So great question, but that's really the truth. That's the goddamn truth. Min writes, Sup Young, I don't know what to do for my next step in life. I got around $20,000 saved up. I ended up graduating with a public relations major, which I had zero passion for, and just graduated for the sake of my Korean parents for them to stop asking when I was going to graduate. I really wanted to get into entertainment, yet everything talent agency, market agency. I have been getting rejected left and right. It's been a little over two year mark and out of 250 companies I've applied to, only I have like five interviews with zero applies. I just need guidance or mentorship on what I should be doing or even investing with what I saved up. Would you have any advice on what I should do? I see my other friends succeeding and have families. I feel so worthless and discouraged when I see that I'm going nowhere with my life right now. I just turned 30. Man, it, it's hard out there, bro especially with Korean parents because they don't realize you did all that shit for them. Now it's time for you to do shit for you, bro. Don't worry about what the fuck they doing. Okay? Thank God you have fucking 20K saved up. That means you ain't got no debt, I'm assuming. Entertainment ain't for everyone, bro. If I were you, man, at just 20K, I would try to figure out somehow, some way to flip some kicks. And I mean, like, find something that that's hard to get. I don't know if you don't know anybody, but bro, you fucking hit up 250 companies, bro. You hit up 250 fucking companies, you need to find 200 fucking different 50 sources, 250 stores, whatever the fuck it is. 
try to be as resourceful as possible. I don't know where you are and what part I'm saying geographically, but you know, these fucking Tiffany Air Force Ones came out. They were about 400 something dollars retail and they're reselling for about 1100 bucks right now. If you could fucking find pairs for five, 600 at a mass level, that's a sure bet you're going to jeep them. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to double your money right there. So you turn that 20 to 40. Now, I'm not talking about all shoes. But if you do it right, that is the easiest way to flip kicks. You know, right now, anything that has some sort of a buzz on it, if you could get them at, you know, a little over retail and buy mass pairs, that's how people are doing it. And they're not even fucking holding them. It's like, fuck this. Let me just dump them. Unless it's something blazing hot, you know, there's sneaker stores everywhere. All of them are doing the same. Buying pandas for fucking retail. All right, great. Let me buy fucking thousand pairs. All right, cool. Then go flip them. That's the fastest way I could think of shit. That's actually even faster than doing anything else. But if you want to get into stocks and stuff, look, man, find a very good financial advisor. Has to be somebody you know that you trust that has put some money in stocks, park some that you could save that you can, that you don't have to use and that money will go up. I can say that much. You know, I've had money chilling in different places here and there. And right now, that's not even on my mind. My mind is just pretty much staying above, you know, the positive part. And because um, the last eight or nine months, I just really haven't been making money. And it's not about that. It's just because I'm obviously redirecting my life into something else. But goddamn, bro, like, I wouldn't get entertainment. 20K isn't enough for where you could start your own thing. I think you're going to do some minor flips with that money. You're going to have to turn that 20 into 40, 40 into 80, and then 80 into 100 something. And then from there, you still not might be able to fucking, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to do a little flipping, bro. You're going to have to start really hustling and not worry about your college degree and use that as something to fall back on. Because you want to be in entertainment because that's cool. You need to be in something that that's going to be, you know, it's going to help you in life. I mean, you don't want to be in entertainment, bro. You watch Entourage, you see how Ari talks to fucking his assistant. That's literally how shit is, man. Anyways, good luck with you, bro. Fam question from Rylan is Korean gangsters. Ben, I know you enjoy Korean mafia, Korean crime movies. Just want to let you know if you know any real Korean gangsters of notoriety and what the gang culture is like in Korea. Are movies like Chingu accurate? Why are there so many two by four sashimi knives laying around? Also, could see you playing a role of a Don in a Korean American crime family. Thanks for the free game. Rylan, I guess that's how you say your name, right? I do know some Korean gangsters in Korea. Gang culture is very similar to what you see in Chingu. There are different tiers. You do got to go to jail to get, you know, go up. They're very corporate. Yakuza's, you know, outfits are done the same way. Um, if you don't know what an outfit is, I'm sure you do. You look like you watch a lot of movies. It's really weird. But I asked the same question. I was like, why the fuck are there so many sashimi knives and fucking sushi knives around? Bro, there's no guns in Asia. You got to remember that. Seeing a gun in, in Korea is like seeing a fucking a tank in the streets of Canada. Imagine seeing a fucking tank in Yale Town, bro. Guns just do not really exist. I would say civilians 
I'd be willing to bet there's less than 100 guns in fucking Seoul, Korea. Right? The cops don't even fucking carry guns, bro. It's like a different thing. That's just a different, it's just different. But that's basically, yeah, that's, that's accurate. John Garcia writes, what's up, Uncle Ben? Been following you since the MySpace days. Fun fact, the first time we met, I was in the Philippines for vacation. I saw you were doing a meet and greet at a sneaker shop in Makati. That's how I got this iPhone case collab. It was with the Jesus piece on graphic on it. Um, you even signed it. Pretty cool moment meeting you for the first time in the Philippines. My question is, do you have any stories with Robert Wright from LRG? And would you ever have him on the podcast? Robert Wright is a really interesting dude. I haven't talked to him in a while. I think the last time I saw him was probably four or five years ago at a trade show. Um, I do. He's just always funny. He'd pop in randomly and say random jokes. It's a very, very funny, creative dude. I think he might have had some slight health issues. Don't know what he's doing now. It's kind of unfortunate. I think that, you know, the timing with him and Jonas was amazing. And again, he would just say the funniest shit. I always think about the cover of Fortune magazine and, you know, them having like 300 fucking in and out cheeseburgers. I just, damn, just fucked my whole head up just thinking about Jonas. Think about Jonas a lot, but I don't think about those days at the office enough. And, um, you know, I remember when he had got his first Lamborghini and he pulled up and he couldn't even fucking drive that motherfucker properly. And this was when the fucking Gallardos were just like, they were just made so fucking bad. Um, you wrote, also LRG released a hoodie a long time ago. It was called Ben's Line in Tokyo. It's hoodie with the Tokyo Skyline. Did you have any involvement in that design? It's one of the sickest LRG hoodies ever released. I designed it. <laughs> it was a photo I took outside the Park Hyatt Hotel and I inverted the colors to make it look that way. But anyways, Johnny, thanks for the question, man. Privacy pod question. Sue Goat writes, hey, Ben, I'm learning about privacy and asset protection for my family. You know the, the value of that as well. I know there are ways to keep your home address hidden from records like putting your home under a trust, never sending mail to your home, to your house. Can you share any tips that you know even better could invite an expert on the show? Like, for example, is it possible to get a driver's license that doesn't show your physical address in CA? Doesn't seem quite possible, especially if you go for real ID. I have not had my home address on my driver's license in shit. It is going on 26 years now. For 26 years, I've not had a physical address on my driver's license. Refuse to. I have a real ID without my physical address. Now, only thing that changed was when I got my CCW, they made me change my permanent address on my driver's license. And I still have a mailing address on my real ID, which is crazy. It's funny. I talk about Kimberly Guilfoyle, you know, it's Trump campaign manager. She's Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend or fiance or whatever. Her brother, Tony Guilfoyle, is uh, really good on that. In fact, he's vice president of a huge fucking energy drink called Celsius now. I might get him on there because definitely I've never received mail at the home. How about this? If you send mail to my house, I don't care if it says Ben Baller, Ben Yang, doesn't matter what the fuck it says. It's not getting opened or read or anything. The only reason there's a mailbox there is because the mailman said he wouldn't deliver shit, whatever, boom. And it's not for me necessarily, but like other things that go there from other shit. Not necessarily, I don't receive mail at the house. I never have. My brother has sent mail and didn't realize, do not fucking check. And he, just, he thinks it's still weird. Don't receive mail at the house. I don't give a fuck if it's from the LAPD, from whatever. I don't receive mail at the house. So mail will not get open at the house. And I don't care if you sent whatever. I don't get FedEx to the house. I don't get fucking nothing to the house. Period. I just do not. 
I don't get a utility bill. I don't get shit sent to the fucking house ever, right? Postmates is not male. And even my Postmates name is not my real name. So just got to do that, man. John Crenshaw writes another deep question. Talk about your uncertain times in life. You said you went from 18 to 37 just spinning your wheels. How did some things that didn't originally work out work out in the end? I don't know if that's true. I think I went from 18 to 27 spinning my wheels, not 37. I became a millionaire at 31, didn't really have any issues. Right around 37 is when things started getting really tricky because the pandemic happened. And um, what was that? 37 would have been 2010, actually. 35 and 36 were tricky times. The pandemic had hit. 37, I was just getting out of it. You know, when I left the music business and I started working as a DJ, I was getting paid cash under the table. So it was easier to kind of navigate my life at the time. I don't suggest that now because it's obviously not smart to do. I'm not admitting anything. I'm just saying like, you know, there's, there's easier ways to fucking be stupid. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And obviously, I don't know if it was luck, but I sold my sneaker collection. And I came into money after that, right? I've been broke three times, moved, moved into my sister's house at fucking 27 years old. Like I was living in a fucking 200 square foot room with a closet and a fucking shower. It was just fucking crazy. I think about that shit. It's like, wow. You know, my financial position when I got married was, was good. I had bread. I had a cushion. I was chilling. There, there was no issue. You know, when we had our first kid, I definitely had a lot of panic on me and everything, right? And I just took the biggest L I've ever taken in my entire life. And um, I lost $680,000 in cash. I was, took money out of the bank. I was going to buy gold. And it got stolen. And that fucked me up because I just had my first kid. Literally one month into having a baby, it was, sorry, two months, six days, and it was like, and my wife was crying like crazy. It was just a really fucking um, nutso time. To be quite honest, entering the pandemic, I was in a weird place. And I came out on top. I think right now is probably the most interesting time because I'm in such a fucking delicate transition. And I think one of the hardest parts of my life right now is I think when people expect you to win and you're favored to win is when it's the hardest. Um, lastly, it says, please redo the Katon Destroyer with new information. Bro, I don't even know when a Katon Destroyer is going to come in. I just don't even care about it. P.S. I was featured on a pretty big publication. Finally starting to make it. I contribute a bit of this to you. Thank you again, Ben. Don't could fucking contribute. I didn't contribute shit, bro. You did whatever you had to do and hopefully we link up one day. Sounds like you really got your head on right. Question, Ben. Do you always pick the spot at the range beside the fence to mitigate going left? Uh, no. That's the stall that my coach teaches at. So I got no other choice. <laughs> that's, that's His stall is on the far left. So that's where Stallone hits it. That's where Larry David hits it. And that's where everyone that takes a fucking lesson from Ronda Barrio hits it. Hey, Ben, been following you for a while and uh, you have great guests. I've listened to every single episode. Was wondering if you ever have Mina Kimes from ESPN on the show. She's a Korean-American, reps her heritage hard. 
I think it'd be interesting conversation. You're an awesome host and interviewer. Her story coming from Yale and pivoting from business journalism to sports analysis is mind-boggling. I'm sure you get the best out of the interview. Mikey from Vancouver. Mikey, I have Mina's number. My boy Swagu has connected us, tried to get her on the show. She big-timed me. She's really articulate. She's cool. Uh, she is Korean-American. I don't think she reps the heritage that hard, to be honest with you, um, just because she has a Korean flag in the back of her, her uh, you know, Zoom camera when she does a thing don't mean shit. Um, I don't know. I didn't know she went to Yale. That's interesting. Sounds like it. You know, she's very, she sounds very smart. She's witty. She's, uh, but uh, I'm not going to go chase no chick. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's cool. I was like, hey man, come on the show and like, whatever, great. But, you know, I think there's an abundance of, um, you know, men out there who fetishize Asian women, mixed women, whatever. And um, I do think she, she does know a lot about sports. She actually has a very vast knowledge of football, especially. And she's a Seahawks fan. You know, but, uh, you know, maybe I'd reach out again, see if we can get her on. But definitely, I ain't trying to fucking chase down this chick. But thanks for the question, man. All right, last question of the day is from Hunter, uh, I, I hope, Kale, or Kegel. Um, I'm a 22-year-old kid originally from Atlanta who came out to LSU for school. I'm in my final semester here. I'm a data scientist, currently working as an analyst intern at a local company. My lease here ends in late July, and I do not want to stay here nor do I want to go back home to Atlanta. It is essential I find a job before I move. Um, is it essential I find a job before I move or smarter to go where I'm interested in, even if I don't have a job lined up? I'm single, no kids, and my only responsibility is myself. My mentor suggested that there is no wrong decision. I'll learn a lot regardless. Um, and worst case, I can always work a shitty job in the area until I want to land something more serious. Also, I want to express how grateful I am for you as I lost my father at 18 in front of my eyes. You filled gaps, provided great advice, and answered many questions I often would want to ask him. Your family inspires me as well. I thank you for that. Best, Hunter Cagle. Bro, 22, if you're not tripping on anybody else that thinks that they're millionaires already at 22 and you're just trying to figure it out, look, man, go where the fuck you want to be. I try to find a job before you move somewhere. That'd be the best thing to do, you know, especially, you know, that you went to school and, you know, and you're an analyst in data science. Think ATL's all right, man. You know, if, you know, Louisiana ain't for you, all right, cool. Get the fuck out of Louisiana. A lot of benefits living in Atlanta, man, compared to living where else. I don't know what else you're talking about. I don't know if you're talking about Texas or you're talking about California, you're talking about Florida. I stay the fuck out of Florida, California, bro. I know ATL's getting packed and whatever, but I go somewhere where, the market is good. The rent is cheap. And you can find a job. Now, I don't know anybody who's a fucking data scientist. So I don't know how hard that would be to, you know, to find a job there. But I like your energy and you're talking about, you know, you'll work a shitty job until you figure out what you need to get more serious. That's the right attitude, bro. So I think go with your heart. Go with where you want to go. Plan it out. Map it out. Save a little bread. And do what you want to do. All right, bro. All right, guys, that is it for fam questions. And guys, I appreciate y'all. Let's pay a couple more bills and uh, we'll be right back with the outro. All right, peace. Guys, if you are a sports better, whether it's every day or when the mood strikes, you need to be a member of Captain Picks. This is the time of the year to make real deal bank 
March Madness is in full effect. Yes, bracket season, guys, okay? But not just that. College ball, NBA, UFC, MLB, soccer, tennis, golf. You need to come pick with us. We even have live betting notifications to help you win big while watching the game. Our numbers are backed up by data and wins across all sports. So take promo code WINNER, all caps WINNER, and go to CaptainPicks.com to get 30% off any package. Guys, we are on fire. So go to CaptainPicks.com to get 30% off any package with promo code WINNER. All right, guys, don't forget, CaptainPicks.com. You got to be in it to win it. What's up, y'all? We are back. Just wanted to say real quick, the subscriber-only garage sale was in fucking sane. I cannot believe how many people showed up. I am doing something very similar soon. Stay tuned. That was a crazy way to interact with everyone. I appreciate everyone keeping it classy. No issues, no drama. Everyone followed directions. It was fucking awesome. I think next weekend is... I'm sorry, my bad. What the fuck am I talking about? I'm tripping. This Friday, you can start subscribing on my Instagram again. And there's all kinds of cool shit that we do. I got meetups coming up and all those other crazy shit. So that's going to be dope. Again, shout out to the subscriber fam, Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. Um, went to Universal Studios this weekend. Let me tell you. Took Ryder in London. Nick took him to Knott's Berry Farm. They had a great time. It was like the perfect vibe, perfect flow, I guess, everything. I had some shit to do on Friday. That was uh, definitely not <laughs> a great day for me. And on Saturday, I took him to Universal again. And it was $970 fucking dollars just for three tickets because I wanted to get the Express Universal Fast Pass. And let me tell you something. I had no idea the park was sold out like that. It was a fucking shit show at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever the fuck it was. We were at the park from 9 a.m. until almost 7 p.m., 6.30. That is fucking nine and a half hours. Probably spent $1,200, $1,300 there easily. Let me tell you, the unlimited express pass is worth every dollar if you have no patience in waiting in line. I cannot tell you how many one-hour to two-hour lines we bypassed, and we didn't wait more than five, ten minutes. Really, some, some rides we waited one minute, two minutes. Some were seconds. Popular rides. You know, um, the other express passes, you get to use each ride one time, and that's it. You don't get to go again. Some people are cool about it, but most of them were scanning. Now, I didn't know you had to make a reservation for Super Nintendo World. And so we made one right at the park at 9 a.m. And our time was at 5 o'clock. Now, the thing is, with the Universal Express Pass, they would let you in a little faster. If Had I known that, we would have been out of the fucking park by 3 o'clock. So we're just sitting there figuring it out. Walked around the city walk, got some ice cream, did some shopping, bought Ryder some shit. Now, let me tell you something real quick. It's not going to be a very long inter- uh, review. I'm just going to get into Super Nintendo World. First of all, very short, very simple. Super Nintendo World is not worth 
even half the money it cost to get in there. People waited hours and hours and hours. You can't get a reservation at the cafe. It's always sold out. There is only one ride inside Super Nintendo World currently, and that is Super Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge. The average wait time is three to four hours. I got a VIP pass to bypass the whole fucking line. I bypassed the entire line. And even when you get into the fucking closed gates with the instructions and everything, it's still 30 minutes from there. And let me tell you something. I waited 30 minutes, and even for 30 minutes, it wasn't worth it. Every single fucking person there after like 10.30 waited hours. Every person I heard get off the ride said it wasn't worth it. Now, let me tell you something. If there was no hype and people were just kind of running in there, it's a dope thing to look at. It's fucking amazing. You feel like you're literally in Super Mario Brothers. You're in Super Mario World, whatever fucking game it is. You look like it just, it, the design of the small little tiny area is dope. But there's a bunch of motherfuckers sitting around doing nothing. There's some little mini games and shit. There's a gift shop that has some really cool stuff. Very overrated. Would not pay to go there. More importantly than the money, your time. To wait three, four hours to get in there. To wait three hours to get into the fucking ride. That ride is okay. It is fucking overrated. That shit is whack as fuck. Okay? So do not waste your money or your time. Wait till it dies out. That, I, don't, I can't believe someone didn't fucking tell me this a long time ago. Now, been playing Roblox a lot with my kids. Going online, playing with them, been playing Bed Wars. And Ryder is so fucking good. London is really good at a lot of games, but Ryder's really good at Bed Wars. Because I know they're fucking playing Brookhaven. They're playing Sans Multiverse. They're playing fucking some Dynasty or some shit. They play fucking Adopt Me. They play everything. But they're so good. The crazy thing is, the other night, we watched Megan. And I thought about it. I was like, look, Am I a bad dad? Should I not play this certain things? I could see like, you know, I, I watched Child's Play when I was a little kid. I watched a lot of horror movies when I was a little kid. Probably right around their age. And London was on the phone right when we started. The, the movie started, the intro's beginning, you know, credits are rolling. And his best friend calls him. This is his best friend in the world. And London is really close to his best friend. Like he, I'm sure he would love to see him every single day. And he goes, Dad, I'm sorry. I was with you all day at Universal Studios. Do you mind if I talk to my best friend? I was like, no, what do you mean? Go ahead, London, go ahead. He came back 30 seconds later and said, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I want to hang out with my dad. I want to spend time with my dad and watch a movie. So we went from watching The Mummy to How to Train Your Dragon to fucking Megan. Now, London passed out about an hour into the Megan, and thank God he did. Ryder stayed up and was like, man, this shit was not scary and whatever. Let me give you a real quick breakdown of Megan. Megan is a new version of Child's Play with a girl doll and it wasn't scary at all. Child's Play was definitely scarier. Little creepy. Fuck, you can't believe that dude, James Wan, whatever, the dude from Saw and fucking, I don't know, Insidious and uh, The Conjuring. Cities and Conjuring, it's one of the scariest fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. Child's Play was epic, the original one. This shit, trash. All right. 
watched the Pornhub documentary on fucking Netflix. Trash. I mean, whatever. Someone interesting, whatever. I know, you know, I've met the owner of, of Pornhub. Whatever. Ghost. Episode two. Solid as fuck. No matter what, I think 50 just wins on this because it's fiction. You know, it's not, you know, has to go off a real storyline. Solid as fuck. I cannot wait for fucking Friday to come around so I can watch fucking episode three. Ghost, solid as shit. Now, I'm fucking pissed that BMF ended on episode 10. And you didn't even fucking know it was a finale. They didn't give you on, you know, episode nine, like on season finale, boom. It's just like weird because again, it's based on a true story. So the next time we get an episode, it'll be on season three, which sucks. You know what I mean? So I don't know if BMF even gets, I mean, it has to get renewed, right? I mean, it's, I don't know if he has a crazy deal, but I don't see how that show's doing well. It's just, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm guessing it's going to get renewed. I don't know. But I can't wait for Bosch to fucking air. I mean, it should be hopefully in a month or two. I don't, even if it's early summer, I just can't wait. I literally cannot wait for the new season of Bosch. That's all I could think about. Um, guys, I am going to Augusta next week. In fact, when next week's episode airs, I will be in Augusta. I'm going to the Masters. Shout out to Jay Lindbergh. Fucking excited as fuck. Going to my very first Masters. Shout out to my agent. Shout out to fucking um, just taking a whole crew. We got a dope ass crib out there playing some golf. I get to actually go to fucking Augusta National. I'm just, I'm fucking crazy. Then right after that, the kids start spring break. Got a lot going on, man. I don't know, man. What a fucking, Dan, I'm, I'm just, I'm very blessed. And um, I think it'll take my mind off of things. And I think it's healthy. I need to start playing more golf, man. We got this fucking tournament coming in four weeks, guys. Four weeks, man. All right, y'all, listen. Great episode. Really appreciate all the BTB Army. And uh, I'll see you guys next week, live from Augusta. Thank you guys for today. Thanks for, you, for everyone who's participated in the fan questions. I know some questions to get answered, but I appreciate everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you for Lakey Lake for this music in the background. All right, y'all. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>